welcome, welcome to another episode of Dr. Dallas Unleashed. Yee-hee. Dr. Dallas in the house and oh. our resident hoe is in the house. <laughs> that oh is my. terrible. Oh my god! You are not a hoe. You are, um, what, you're special. You're, oh. um, good to your men that you go out, you're, you know. The guys are the f boys out there, right? <laughs> wow, what a you what didn't know opening. what to say. Yeah. What a what a entrance. What an introduction. What was your song baby. that you were saying? Wet ass pussy. Oh, wop wop wop. Um, yeah, I I didn't know what that meant until I think you told me oh, that it geez. was get uh, with the lingo. Yeah, but um, that's like a whole new thing. It's not it like is. saying uh, fupa, right? Yeah, Fupa's no, no. been around for a you long. You didn't know time. that one mine either, though. We had to tell you that one too. Uh, yeah. But that's been around for a long time. <laughs> that has been around but for a WAP long time. But WAP is like new. So thank you for introducing new. me to that. And okay. you ain't no hoe. No, no, no. no. You're my, I'm Angelica. You're I'm my a badass. sidekick. Yeah. Uh, you're just yes. Badass. And Partners she runs through guys like, you know. Like who? Yeah. We just, we just, <laughs> the, you know, you know how it goes. Yeah. Play well, the game. That's not the topic today. Today no, we're going to be not. talking about uh, com- complications in plastic surgery. That's right. Cause it happens. And, um, you know, if you were to take all comers and anybody's practice, I would say that people's complication rate, if you're operating enough is going to be probably anywhere between five and 10%. But remember, even if it's 10%, some of those might be really, really small things that yeah. are some things you don't even do anything about. And then some things you do have to address, whether it's a small revision, you got to go back to the OR. So it's a very real thing. And I think that yeah. when you sign up for plastic surgery, you should know that there's a possibility of a complication or something Absolutely. like that. Yeah. And I have a little uh, thing uh, that I don't like to hear. You know, it's like my bugaboo. You ever seen that show Botched? Yes. And people come in and they always say everything's botched. Yes. Right. I botched. But sometimes these things are just normal complications, right? right? They've had their implants for like 20 years and now they have a capsular contracture and they go, oh, I was botched 20 years ago. No, No. you weren't botched. This is the natural evolution of having implants much longer than they were intended to use. Right. Right. Double the time frame. Or they, or they have really thin skin and then they get these ginormous implants and then they start rotating into their armpits or something and they go, oh, I was botched. Well, no, you know, this was the natural evolution of an 800 cc implant on someone who's 110 pounds who has really thin skin. Right. So, you know, that's that botch. I don't like it when people say botch. Botch is like my nipple fell off when I just had a breast augmentation. (laughs) (laughs) Coming strong. So this this episode is just going to be talking about complications and then what? What do you do? And we're going to just run through the gambit. So Angelica, name name one thing you've heard us talk about and we'll just, we'll go after it. Um, So what about... Um, your breasts aren't lifted high enough. Yeah. yeah. So like when someone wants a breast lift, yes. uh, it doesn't have to be an augmentation, but just a breast lift. So they're, they're coming in with saggy, sad breasts and they want Tosis. the nipples and, uh, you know, everything lifted. They want that right. perky appearance and, um, you do the surgery right. and, you know, it's not as high as you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Maybe the nipples are low. Maybe there's some loose skin. Right. You know, I think that is something that in all our consensus as surgeons, we talk about one of the things that only complications like infections and right. bleeding, that sort yes, of thing like- is uh, one of them is pretty vague, but it's like a poor cosmetic appearance, meaning yes. that you may not get the uh, appearance that you wanted. Right. Um, 
So it really kind of depends on how much, you know, is it like there is a lot of loose skin, the nipples really down and maybe the surgeon feels like, yeah, you know what? Uh, I thought I got everything in the operating room, but I can do better. Right. So yes. I wouldn't say necessarily that's a complication to the patient. It might be. Yes. And then I think it becomes a discussion of, you know, do you go back to the surgeon? Does the surgeon feel like, hey, I can do better? Right. Um, and then there's always a discussion about, you know, hopefully beforehand, if you were to have a revision, there's a cost associated with it. Um, obviously, it's very reduced. Or, um, you know, some surgeons feel like, hey, I'll cover the cost of everything except for the OR. Right. And then some people will just, you know, hey, um, Maybe it was an early surgeon. Sometimes I see this with the younger surgeons. Yeah. They feel like, you know, I just, I didn't do what, you know, I, I probably could have done. Right. And they might do it for free. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. um, I would say when we do breast uh, reductions, very large breast, and yes. people want, I've had some people come in with like triple G's and they go, I want an A cup. And they got to come in for round two. Right. And I tell them, gosh, that you can't just, that's almost like a mastectomy. Yes. So you can't remove everything without possibly hurting the nipple and right. the blood supply. Yeah. And so they may come out a C cup and um, that's part of the consent. Hopefully myself or the other surgeon talked about it, but you yeah. know, um, you might have to go in for round two. So that sort of thing, they're not high enough. Um, okay. We hear that. I would say another one, uh, even more importantly, is you get a breast lift with an augmentation and they are not high enough, meaning the implants. Right. They showed you a picture. And of course, it's the Instagram model, those real high breasts. Yeah. And or their post-op pictures of maybe other surgeons, uh, you know, breast or even perhaps ours. Yeah. Everyone looks very full right after surgery. Right. And, um, you know, they want it higher. Mm-hmm. So, uh, again, I would probably say maybe that's just not achieving exactly what the patient wanted. But hopefully a discussion beforehand where, you know, we're going to try our best, but we might not get it there. And if we have to go back a second time to really lift things up uh, because we are being perhaps conservative about lifting too much or putting too big of an implant and causing problems with the incision. So, um, yeah, those are things that I would fall, uh, I think, fall under the category of I didn't achieve what I wanted. And uh, I would say to that is we do our best to tell people we're going to we're going to get close to it. But I I can't promise you're going to look like this or that real hard line that people want. You know, they want to see that line of cleavage, that line that runs up their upper breast. You know, that's hard to achieve when you're looking at someone that's 110 pounds on Instagram and someone is, you know, perhaps a little bit uh, bigger than that. So. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. yeah. Um. What about an actual complication like a seroma? Seroma. That's a good one. What is yeah. a seroma, Angelica? The you liquid. Know this. The liquid. Yeah. And it's the body's own fluids. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, have you seen the color of it when we aspirate it or pull it out? What's the color of a seroma? Like, you is know, it red, yellow. It, it could be red if it's early on because it's yeah. a little bit of blood, blood tinged. So it's like dropping, you know, red ink in like a gallon of you know, water, it'll yeah. turn the whole thing like Kool-Aid color, but yeah. it's not a lot of blood. No, right. We see that early on, but we can see that in tummy tucks or liposuction. Yes. Fluid accumulates underneath the skin and between the muscle fascia. Right. So we usually put drains in, in most of our tummy tucks, or actually all of our tummy tucks and liposuction on occasion. But drains, if yeah. the drain isn't working or perhaps you just have so much fluid that even when the drain came out, now you have fluid and it looks like a fluid wave. Have you yeah. ever seen that? Like yes. you press on it. And it goes to the other side. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like squishy. It, it likes, it ripples like a yeah. wave. And so it's really, you know, 
for someone who hasn't felt it before, it's really cool. But right. a seroma is a possible complication. Yeah. And the way we treat that is, and I just did one, and actually it wasn't even a patient of mine. It was a fellow surgeon who was yeah. in the area or outside the state who asked me to help him out. You just put a needle in the, usually if it's in the lower abdomen, you put a needle through the skin, we numb it up, and you just drain the fluid. Right. So there's no drain, but at least there's a way to, to remove that fluid through yeah. that needle. Exactly. And sometimes it's a lot. 200, 500 cc's. Sometimes it's a little bit, right. like 30 cc's. You want to get rid of all that fluid so the body has a chance to recuperate and then it'll reabsorb everything on its own exactly. once it's a low amount. But seromas are probably one of the more common things we see, but they're super treatable. They're yeah, super treatable. Easy. They're not like, oh my goodness, I, right. um, I, I'm botched, right? That's right, not something to say you were not botched. Right. It's just, it happens and it doesn't deter, as long as you take care of it, it doesn't take away from your ultimate result. You're right. still going to have a flat tummy. It's going to look awesome. You just need to get rid of that fluid. Um, but the other see. thing that's sort of like the cousin of a seroma would be a hematoma, hematoma right? Blood so filled. blood field pocket right. blood. So um, usually it's just blood that's accumulated, but didn't exactly drain out. Yeah. And, um, the body or the drain can sometimes have a hard, hard time draining that blood. Cause it's pretty thick. Yeah. And so, you know, if it sits there for a while, it can liquefy a little bit, but oftentimes you still need to take a pretty big needle and aspirate it just like a yeah, seroma. Exactly. Yeah. Those tend to look like they don't have much of a fluid wave, but they look like a bulge yeah. and uh, you can feel it. And the, the giveaway is that the underlying, the overlying skin looks really bruised. It looked like a massive bruise yeah. for the most part. And um, if it is actively bleeding a little bit, it can cause a lot of pain because it's stretching things a little bit. Mm -hmm. No one will bleed to death or anything with a hematoma. Right. It's just a very small little bleeder. And uh, usually it stops when the space gets very tight. And right. so you can see that in a breast augmentation, uh, tummy tuck or... More uh, uncommonly is liposuction, but the big ones are tummy tucks and breast augmentations or lift yeah. um, when you're in the breast. So uh, what do you do with that? Sometimes you don't do anything. Yeah, Hematomas, you can just watch them and they'll dissolve and get better on their own. Most of the time, over time, they'll liquefy and they'll be a little bit easier to aspirate. I would say for... I don't know, 85% of them, I'll aspirate them. Is it like a blood blister kind of? Well, blood blister is what you see on the surface of the skin. That's oh, sort of yeah, in between like, the dermis okay. and stuff. And that's, those are the ones you can actually pop. Yeah. And you probably just pop and then put some dressings. You can't <laughs> pop a hematoma because, <laughs> <laughs> yes, you don't want to throw up. No. Uh, but, Yes, you don't see the blood unless you start aspirating. Right, okay. Yeah. Where a blister, you see it because it's actually through the skin yeah, okay. a little bit. Um, and so the other, I would say very rarely, 5%, you know, it's big enough where you just can't aspirate it. It's too thick. Yeah. So you would um, have to go back to surgery and open up, whether it's a tummy tuck incision or you have to reopen the breast pocket and drain it. So it yeah. does require a trip back to the OR, but sometimes it's important to do that. Um, especially in the breast because yeah. the breast is sort of a very confined spot. And if you don't, it can cause issues with the pocket. It can make your breast pocket bigger. So when the, um, the hematoma goes away, now you have this implant that's sort of floating around in a bigger space because it was expanded by the hematoma. Yeah. So you always want to get rid of that. So you don't, you know, compromise the ultimate pocket or shape of the breast. And so on occasion, I would say in the last 10 years, maybe I've had to do that twice. Um, and it's really helped the implant. Let us keep the implant in place to get all the blood out.
So that's a hematoma. Right. Um, so that's a, that's a big one. That's a, that is a complication. So hematoma, seroma, not lifting my breast high enough. Um, um, like a, what about like a keloiding scar or how you're healing? Yeah. 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 So the way you heal, right. um, another part of our consents, and this is actually a part of any plastic surgeons or cosmetics consent right. is you may have poor wound healing. No matter what we do as plastic surgeons, I'm going to suture it up the best that I know how with, you know, all our years of experience, but I can still sew it up perfectly. But if you're going to keloid, you're going to keloid whether I do it perfectly, whether you have, you know, Jesus or God or right. Buddha or whoever, <laughs> you know, is supposed to sew the best. Right. If you keloid, there's nothing that'll, you know, other than, you know, things you have to do afterwards. But if you keloid, you're going to keloid. Yeah. And, um, you know, obviously we treat these afterwards. But so what I tell patients is I'm going to do the best a surgeon can do when it comes to closure. Exactly. And some of the things I can do are not having it real tight, you know, like a tummy tuck, mm -hmm. right? You're pulling tight. You, there's ways to kind of loosen the tension on that. Uh, again, if you still keloid, then afterwards there are things like silicone sheeting, right? You can put those plastic silicone sheeting specifically for scars to help flatten out the scar. Yeah. Steroids. You've seen steroids where we inject steroids into the keloid. Uh, that'll soften it. And if it's real thick, uh, it kind of just makes it smaller, softer. And if it's real dark, it'll make it lighter. Um, and then uh, we do have some lasers that will help. Yeah. I would say probably last resort is you go and excise it. You just remove it again. And uh, sometimes you can go back and excise the keloid once more and then you just pay close attention to it. As soon as it starts to get thick again, maybe aggressively treat it with steroids and lasers at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, poor wound healing or scarring is always, you know, anybody is susceptible to that, you know, and the people who are really susceptible to it are people who've keloid before. Yeah. If you had an earring, you know, some people get mm -hmm. uh, keloids in their ear, especially on the, what's the top part of the cartilage that you guys do? Um, like those earlobe cartilage, you know, the earrings that yes. go on the top of the ear. Uh, I don't know what they're called. I forgot. Oh, yeah. No. I think, I was going to call your cartilage or. Well, I, what's the, what uh, do the girls you know? call it? The placement. What, what the top of your ear is when you pierce it? It is your cartilage. Okay. So, yeah. Right. It, okay, it, because sure. it's going through your cartilage, but that area can have a higher chance of uh, keloiding. keloiding. Yeah, I've seen um, it. And I always ask patients, right? Uh, I'll be like, hey, do you have any scars on your body that were real thick? Um, that also gives me a chance, one, to see if they keloid. But the other one is sometimes they'll show me a scar and it's not a keloid. It's just like a little widened. You know, yeah. sometimes scars over elbows and shoulders, yeah. they don't keloid, but they widen. And so that's more of a hypertrophic scar, different issue. Yes. And so we can have a discussion about, okay, scars. That's why that happened. This is why you probably won't keloid. But we talk about, you know, there are ways to help uh, with keloids and that sort of thing. So, um, so poor scarring is a great one. Yes. Um, um, I think another one that goes along with that, what happens if you have in a tummy tuck and you have necrosis of oh, yeah, parts yeah. of the skin? Sometimes we can see that in tummy yeah. tucks. Yeah. It like dies the, off. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. some people kind of have an idea what necrosis is. Basically, it's the blood supply to that part of the skin has failed and um, it basically will turn blue and yes. then eventually turn black yep. because the skin is necrotic or it just doesn't have blood supply. So it dies up and dries up. Um, it can be seen in liposuction with tummy tucks. Yes. And so, you know, on occasion we'll see that. I do a lot of liposuction with tummy tucks and 
on occasion get little areas, like maybe a centimeter by a couple centimeters. Most of the time it's really small. Yes. I can take care of it in the office after right. a couple of weeks. I just cut it out, no big deal, because there's enough looseness of the skin yeah. on the lower part of a tummy tuck. Um, and that's how I tell you know people that, yeah, if it happens, we can certainly take care of it. Yes. We'll usually put a cream. You remember the cream? We call it Silvadine. Have you seen that white cream we put on people? Um, it's called Silvadine. Yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the cream that we put on uh, burn patients when they have burns that are like fresh. Oh. All it is, it's not a magic uh, skin healer. All it is is it's a very special uh, cream with a lot of antibiotics. So it keeps this dead skin from becoming infected. Oh, okay. Because the body's going to do what it's going to do. It's going right. to heal everything on its own. Uh, we want it to become dry and kind of flake off like a scab. Yeah. And um, oftentimes, you know, different parts of the healing process, I can then go remove it and cut it out. Yeah. So <laughs> that is uh, something that we can do. What uh, about um, rippling of the skin after liposuction? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like liposuction. Yeah. So I think that when liposuction is done very aggressively or superficially, and everyone's heard this, the rippling and that sort of stuff that happens uh, on the surface of the skin. I yeah. think Tara Reed is a really good example. Yeah. Remember Tara Reed? We were yeah, talking we, about we, this. We looked at her last week. We are going to use American, her American Pie. Yeah. And uh, she's the real cute young blonde girl. Was. She had, uh, yeah, she was cute. She's, um, she's still pretty, but yeah, yeah. she's not the, you know. She's not number one anymore, you know. She's not my number one. Uh, she never was my number one. No, no, no. We don't Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot. <laughs> Wonder Woman. Um, but yeah, yeah, so you can see she had liposuction, probably done very aggressively, superficially. And she had all this rippling and it just looked very, you could tell. I right. mean, she walks oh, yeah. around, it's like you had you know, liposuction and you had liposuction that wasn't that good. So yeah. I think as the years have progressed, uh, we've gotten much better at it. But anytime we do liposuction, we talk about the possibility of irregularity. And so if that happens, what do you do? Well, if it's very minor irregularity, then sometimes we have things in our med spa like tightening RF or radio yeah. frequency tightening. We have devices that then can help out the skin and smooth things out yeah. through non-invasive ways. Yeah. If it's very wrinkly, but there's enough fat underneath there, sometimes you can go back underneath it with repeat liposuction and try to smooth things out. Yeah. So revision lipo, but that does require going back to the operating room. Yes. So that, that's uh, depending on how severe it is. And um, if, especially if it's on the front part of the tummy and it's real ripply and wrinkly, if someone truly has loose skin, you can actually really do a nice job of smoothing out completely if you can add a tummy tuck, if someone's a good candidate for a tummy tuck. Because now you get to pull on all that loose skin, yeah. do a little lipo to even it up, but that pull and tug smooths out all that loose skin. Yeah. So it's really, it's really nice. Now, sometimes you can have liposuction with energy devices like ultrasound laser mm -hmm. and it can burn the skin yeah. and that can actually create some areas of necrosis in certain spots. Yeah. So those are tough ones uh, to handle that. That would, would say is a true complication as well from liposuction or devices that carry a lot of heat or energy. Sometimes it could just be normal liposuction, just very aggressive. Uh, but depending on how big it is, you just let it, you know, sort of heal on its own, especially if it's like a penny size or nickel size. And once it's truly healed, uh, it may take about three or four months. Um, then you can then talk to the patient about excising it because yeah. scars that heal like that tend to heal like little, um, 
a pin cushions, you know, kind of pulls down. It looks like a pin cushion on yeah. a couch. You can excise it in a little line fashion. And um, oftentimes it can heal really nicely. And yes, you may have a little bit of a line scar, but it's certainly better than this contour volcano or divot yeah. in the skin. So um, that truly is probably one of the complications that we really don't want to see in liposuction because irregularities, yeah. But uh, any areas of necrosis are, are tougher to deal yeah. with. Yeah. What about... When you're constipated. No, oh, yeah. So, you know, we do a lot of stuff to people and put a lot of their bodies through a lot of trauma and yes. changes. Oh, yeah. But one of the things we give people Norco, which is a narcotic, and narcotics will slow down your intestines. You know, not only does it make you feel, you know, better and yes. it takes away, but there are pain receptors in your colon, in your intestine that actually decrease the motility. And so what happens is your poop slows down yeah. and your body starts absorbing a lot of fluid. And so because it's transiting so slowly, it gets really hard by the time it gets down to your colon or the end of, you know, the rectal Yikes. area. Oh man! So when we tell people, you know, before surgery, we tell them you need to get a stool softener, yes. stay hydrated. And um, if possible, not, not to go too crazy with the pain medications for a long period of time. Right. It's okay to take it frequently the first few days, but if you're taking it like week two, every four hours, you're going to be constipated. Yes, exactly. And so, um, yes, yeah. uh, sometimes that'll require taking extra stuff like uh, milk of magnesia. Yeah. Um, the, uh, f uh, what's the other one that we tell people to take? Uh, Metamucil, which is pretty standard. Anybody can get that. Yeah. You should probably start doing that the day after surgery. But gosh, if it's really hard you need and you're trying to uh, push a lot of brown, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you may need an enema. Yeah. You know what an it's enema tough. is, right? Yeah. Um, you can go to CVS and get these enemas, but basically it's a flush of fluid that goes up your booty time, oh, no. up your booty hole. But what it's trying to do is flush water up and around the hard poop. Yeah. You're looking at me like this is crazy. <laughs> Over here like... Ew. Um, I mean, it's totally normal though. I, yeah. You know, patients did you feel them. like when you had your surgery, did you get a little yeah. constipated? Absolutely. Okay. So to my vlog, if you guys haven't checked it out, baby, <laughs> check it out. Angelica has boobs. Yeah. And <laughs> she had hard poop for about for a week like afterwards. A week. Yeah. It was tough. So what did you do? Um, I took a couple different laxatives. I took milk yeah. of mani magnesia. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I was kind of concerned at one point. And um, I think I started, once I started to ease off of the Norco, yeah. then I, I was fine after that. Yeah. Um, it wasn't tough. We've had uh, women whose husbands have had to go in there and rectally or digitally disimpact. So that's like taking your finger up someone's butt and just trying to loosen up and actually remove some of the poop. And so a little side note. <laughs> I wish you could see my um, face right now. <laughs> <laughs> You're it's like, what the? So horrendous. as general surgery residents, I trained in general surgery. One of the things we'd get called for to the ER was that we have, um, you know, an elderly woman from the nursing home. Uh, she's constipated. Yeah. And they'll do an x-ray and their rectum and colon are like huge. And yeah. it's because it's full of impacted feces. And so one of the things they wanted the general surgery residents to do was then go manually disimpact these people. That's the first thing you would try to do. And you would just put your finger up there and try to swipe any of this stuff out that you could. And oftentimes it's like a cork. 
once you get that first harder poop, a lot of it just it's like a volcano and lava. No. It's gross. Is this like in a bathroom at least? No. It's usually in a bed with a bunch of chucks. You know, those like um, those things you put down for your dogs to go pee on. So you just do that. And, you know, yeah. again, these are nursing home patients who may not <laughs> yes. be, um, you know, have some dementia. And so they a lot of times don't have a lot of pain or anything. And that's part of the reason why yeah. they're not pooping is they don't feel the urge to defecate. But in our patients, um, you know, you may have to get a fleet cinema. And I don't think we've had maybe a couple of you here over the years where the husband had to go and like manually disimpact. Wow. Uh, a- the other the other sort of cousin to that is a hemorrhoid. Yes. I, have have you known friends or anybody with experience with hemorrhoids? Um, no. Yeah, hemorrhoids <laughs> can be very very painful. Oh wow! And so, do you know how a hemorrhoid occurs? Is that from like pushing? It could be from uh, like, prolonged pushing and also sitting on the toilet for long periods of time and pushing and pushing. Yes, yes, yes. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. So, um, the reason why uh, people. You know, because your, your rectum is pretty smart, right? You yeah. know when you have to poop. You know right. when you have to fart. Yeah. And you know that, you know, unless you're just, you know, drunk and you shart and you poop and fart. <laughs> <My God. laughs> but, you know, you know when those two things are different. Right. There's a lot of receptors. But part of that is there's a lot of nerve endings in this soft tissue, hemorrhoidal tissue. Everyone has hemorrhoidal tissue. Yeah. They become abnormal when they fill up with blood. Oh, wow. And okay. so they clot. So that blood gets clotted in that tissue and then it becomes this like, it feels like a, like a grape and it's very painful because that clot is stretching that very sensitive, you know, nerve ending tissue. And so people will say, gosh, it hurts so bad. I can't poop. I can't, you know, and then secondarily people become constipated because they're holding everything in. They don't want to push anymore. So how do you get rid of them? So one is you can use preparation H or some of these things to kind of numb the pain a little bit so you can have these bowel movements because the natural history of a hemorrhoid is it will go away. It'll dissolve. You know, your body will dissolve it. However, if it's so painful and it's causing other problems, you got to go to the doctor and they'll lance the shit out of that. Literally, they'll lance the shit. They pop it? They pop it. Get the clot out. Oh my gosh. And then the poop, you know, then you'll have a little bit more comfort in getting the poop out. Yeah. So hemorrhoids are kind of a big deal. And um, even though we don't talk a whole bunch about that, like when we consent people, it is something sometimes we hear and it can become a very big issue. Yeah. And um, that's why it's very important to stay hydrated, have your colace or stool softeners and do that. So. Right. But um, yeah, those are just like a small piece. I think we should uh, do a second episode of complications because. Absolutely. um, I I, certainly we can go on a few other things that we hear very commonly. And uh, but these are just some of the things that we hear a lot of after surgery and how we deal with those. So So stay tuned for part two. Yeah. So this is part one of I've had plastic surgery. I have this complication. So what do I do now? What do we do? So stay tuned for the next one. Um, complications. Um, uh, episode two. That will be next week. I want you to have some good complications for us that we'll talk about you hear from patients. And uh, we will uh, get those. And if if you guys, the listeners, have questions, yeah. let us know. Like, Send hey, I had in. this. Yeah. Um, we'll definitely talk about it because if you've had it, that means there's probably another few hundred Who's people had that it? had it, yeah. you know, with that same surgery. 
So thank you again. Our resident Angelica is here. She ain't no hoe. No. She ain't no hoe. No, 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 um, no. Not at all. She's angelic, right? Yes. And I hope you guys <laughs> saw our Snapchat because I literally saw a filter on there that was called angelic and it really should have just been called Angelica because it was sparkly yes. and pretty. Yes. Yeah. You so had all those, all those features. Am, you know? Your eyes were glowing. <laughs> glowing. And, um, yeah. So thanks. Uh, it was very helpful to kind of hear from your side because you yeah. had some experience with it. Yeah. And, um, you know, next week we'll maybe get a questionnaire with some of the people around the right. office. And Absolutely. of course our patients are great resource for yes. all that. Cause we want to do a better job as a, uh, as plastic surgery, as an office to make sure that we're thinking about all these things beforehand. Yep, yep. So we prepare you for it. Yep. And, um, you know, when we can tell someone beforehand, we're, we're better at, um, it's not like an excuse when we tell someone afterwards, right? They knew it. Yes, we, they we were sort of aware. prepared them for it. And, uh, there's ways to correct things if we need to. Yeah. So thanks guys for tuning in on this uh, episode of Dr. Dallas Unleashed. Until next time. Ooh. Thank you. Peace out. Thank you. Peace out, homies. Bye.